Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by GR Dad. Good evening. How's it going, GR Dad? It's going fine. How are you feeling about murder tonight? (laughs) Generally anti-murder, but we can talk about it. Before we jump into our Murder in Paradise, I want to add that this week, True Crime Garage, which is a great true crime podcast, wrapped up their sixth episode on the JonBenet Ramsey case. They did six in a row. Six in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Usually they'll do like one case a week over two episodes. They did six episodes on JonBenet, which is very interesting. Uh, I loved them all. I learned a ton. The last one uh, was sort of the last, this last week was like one episode was the intruder theory and one was the family theory. And uh, one of the guys on that podcast definitely believes in the intruder theory. And so they were doing all this like very objective, just like these are the facts not interpreted until that last episode. And I was like, okay, like, I don't, I don't need to hear your rant. I actually think it was a member of the family who did it. Uh, though there's a lot, there was a lot of interesting stuff. I'm definitely not like hundred percent convinced one way or the other, but if you're interested in that case, even like passingly, like it's not a case that I'm obsessed with. Like I've seen all the normal true crime stuff about it, but I, I'm not like, deep, deep into it. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I've got these, let's listen to them. And it was a really, it's like a great way to get like a good deep coverage of that, uh, without having to go into like the internet wormholes. So have we done a formal shout out for true crime garage? Uh, formal shout out to true crime garage right here, right here. Love them. Two guys from Ohio. Yep. Columbus, Ohio. They drink beer. They do. They have a beer of the week. Like we have a cocktail of the week on the Golden Ratio podcast. It's not a bad format. No, they they do a great job. And they're, uh, unlike us, where I kind of pick an article and read it. (laughs) They do a lot of (laughs) They do a ton of research. They write everything themselves. Uh, It's it's great. So, um, yeah, go check them out if you are interested. Great dynamic between the two of them, too. Yep, I'm a fan. Uh, So, this week... We're doing The Mysterious Killing of Frank Fontis. This story has everything. It has a parrot. It has Tennessee Williams. It has... Wow. I know. The hottest club in Key West right now is... The parrot has everything. (laughs) This club has everything. (laughs) I'm glad you picked up my reference there. (laughs) Okay, so this story uh, I originally found in Terry Schmidt's True Crime Stories of Key West and the Florida Keys, which I have read from a lot, but I did uh, read some other sources that talked about this. Uh, But the the little bit that I want to put in before we get into it is that in the Terry Schmidt book, there are these little call-out boxes, which I've mentioned, like, oh, do you want me to, like, read the little call-out box? And uh, so I just, instead of interrupting this very interesting story, (laughs) I want to do the call-out box first, which is, at the time of the crime, Key West Police Corporal Pedro Corpion, Corpion? made a name for himself in the late 1970s and early 80s as an intelligent and educated officer with occasional lapses of common sense. Legend has it that he once ran a red light in his patrol car, stopped to write himself a ticket, and then asked for a court hearing. The judge supposedly told him he should have let himself off with a warning. (laughs) (laughs) So, there you go. All right. Uh, This one will be... 
a little bit lighter than the clan stuff from the last episode. Yeah, that was grim. Though there's there's questions of like if this is a gay oriented murder mm, or not. Crime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, you know, I think we've talked about before, kind of in general and across the podcast, like Key West is a very laid back place. It's very accepting of kind of whatever and uh, has kind of for a really, really long time been very accepting and welcoming to the gay community. And there's a huge gay community here Mm -hmm. now. Uh, And so when this murder takes place in the 1970s, uh, let me just read you this little paragraph here. By the 1970s, Key West's balmy days and sizzling nightlife created a well-deserved reputation for the town as a gay mecca. In 1978, the Key West, Bus- Key West Business Guild was formed. There's a gay chamber of commerce. I think this is what they are. Like, they're down on Duval Street, mm. um, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, promotes gay-owned businesses, and that's uh, awesome. And, of course, one of the most famous gay residents of Key West was Tennessee Williams, who lived here. Oh. And uh, there's some great, great quote that I couldn't find when I was looking for this from a letter that he had written to someone talking about, like, when he had first come to Key West and how great the scenery was because of all the sailors walking around in their tight white pants. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. Um, Unlike Ernest Hemingway, openly gay. Openly gay. Yes. Uh, he bought his home in Key West in 1949 after vacationing here a few times. It says, and probably enjoying himself at Florida's first gay bar, which was called the Oldest Bar, and it's where Captain Tony's is now. Oh, cool. Where, it's a good bar. Yeah, so Captain Tony's was... Sloppy Joe's. Originally Sloppy Joe's, and then it must have been the Oldest Bar after that, and then became Captain Tony's. So, Always haunted. Yeah, there's a ghost in this one too. Did I tell you it has everything? No. It has everything. Oh my God. It has, I know. has everything. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so there's this big increase in gay tourism in the 1970s. And it was sort of a rough time for Key West in the 70s. And the gay tourism was like the one good thing hmm. coming to Key West. Like it was bringing in money. Um there was a lot of drug smuggling in the 70s, and a lot of that comes th- was coming through Key West. It can be lucrative. Yeah, not great <laughs> for our, our little island nation of the Conch Republic. Actually, we weren't the Conch Republic yet. That was the problem. It was not independent at the time. Yeah, uh, but it was, you know, the late 1970s is when there was a lot of this drug running, which eventually led to yeah. Customs and Border putting up essentially a border between the Florida Keys is and Scarface from Cuba? That I don't know. All right. Yeah. It was bad. Um, but yeah, so there were so many drugs coming into the Keys that they put a border, like a f- national border between the Keys. Like a checkpoint, like for to the Canada or to Mexico. Exactly like that, even though you were already in the U.S. And uh, That's some bullshit. And the Keys thought so, and so they declared their independence as the Conch Republic, I believe, in 1984. And seceded from the Union, and we sort of sorted that all out. But when you land in, at the airport in Key West, it says, Welcome to the Conch Republic. So it's still yeah. kind of subversive, yeah. When I landed today, I flew in today, and that's what the flight attendant said. Like, we landed and we were taxiing over, and the flight attendant's like, 
Welcome to the Conk Republic, everyone. It's 75 degrees and cloudy outside. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a lot of gay tourism in the late 70s. That's bringing some money into Key West, which is great for everybody because crime is going up, drug running's going up, the economy's kind of screwed up. Um, Key West kind of has these, not lately, but has a history of kind of Boom and bust. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like they'll have these great years and then, you know, this industry will move out. That industry will move out. The country has less money to spend on tourism. The military changes something. And then it, if it's a really little place and you got to have a lot of external people bringing money in. Um, so this was a bust time. Um, but even though it was good for Key West that there's all these gay tourists coming down and bringing money in, um, there's also a thought that there was kind of some backlash against this very, you know, out gay population, especially in the late seventies where, you know, I mean, yeah. even in the 1990s, it, you know, this was not a, even in the eighties, that was a real problem. Yep. So nationally, um, in 1979, Tennessee Williams was mugged and beaten walking down to Vall street with a friend. Mm. Um, and he said, this guy is so good. Tennessee Williams, he's just such a character. He says, maybe they weren't punks at all, but New York drama critics. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, okay, so that brings us to January 5th, 1979. Uh, they call this guy, so it's Frank Fontis. They refer to him as, uh, and I, well, all right. They refer to him as flamboyant, longtime housekeeper and gardener. For Tennessee Williams. Okay. Lava. Uh, it seems like not. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, That's cool. I was, a li I was initially like reading this, like this book is a little older than, mm -hmm. I'm, than I'm reading from here now. Uh, I think maybe the early 2000s is when this was published. Uh, let's see. 2006. And I, so when I saw that, I was like, hmm, like is flamboyant like someone using a kind of stereotype gay term. And so I started looking up all these other articles about Frank Fontes. I saw another one that referred to him as a middle-aged queen. <laughs> like, like everybody's like, this dude was over the top, like just In, into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. um, that, that seems to be not meant pejoratively, but accurately descriptive. Uh, they also, he's referred to as like a gardener or a landscaper, but he like owned his own business. He started a museum. He's doing very well. So it's not like he was just like the, the pool boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, and he didn't live with Tennessee Williams. So he oh, worked at well, his house. Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Frank Fontes, he's 49. And on January 5th, 1979, he is shot in the head and killed at his house on Ann Street, which is close to Sloppy Joe's, Captain Tony's right around there, um, in what looks like a botched robbery. Botched robbery. But we don't know. That's always the cover-up for a murder. Okay, so we'll get to the very short story of the guys who may have done this at the end, but let's kind of talk, just sort of set the scene for things. Hmm. Uh, so Frank Fontes, who's our victim, came to Key West. He was from California. Uh, came to Key West in the 60s. He established himself as, quote, a larger-than-life island character and social climber. He was an organist by trade. And he was a landscape artist, so he did the gardens at Tennessee Williams' house. Um, he helped, he did, he was the landscape 
artist for Mallory Square when they refurbished it in the 1970s, which is where like all the sunset stuff happens and just like a square. (laughs) There's like trees and plants and stuff, right? right? Benches. Yeah. Benches. Which is, I mean, Key West is a small place, right? But he's working on some higher profile projects. I think that just is like damning him with faint praise. I think he probably did better stuff. Anyway. Yeah. So it says, but this is from Terry Schmidt's book, but it's his extracurricular activities and lifestyle that are best remembered by many who had known him. He had a big mouth, said one acquaintance. He wore a lot of gold jewelry and was always making scenes in public, hitting on sailors and things like that. We used to tell him that something bad was going to happen to him if he kept on like that, but that's just the way he was. And this All guy right. says, in the end, it caught up with him. So this guy thinks, ah, maybe it's because he was... Had a big mouth. Had a big mouth, he says. Uh, <laughs> but he was friends with Jimmy Carter's mom. Wow. Like, they were pals. He was a real kind of social climber, and some people say... Uh, kind of some people say a chameleon other people say two-faced like he'd kind of do whatever you wanted he could be the person that you wanted to it's if it's political almost. kind of yeah oh uh huh. so yeah basically like if you were a high up social person he wanted to be your friend uh he threw these big christmas parties every year kind of you know a little bit like oh, yeah. in the Garden of Midnight, Good and Evil. Midnight in the, the Garden, Garden of Good and Evil, yes. Uh, I mean, I, you know, he wasn't rich like that, but uh, uh, this is the impression that I get from the stuff that I read. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, at, at 1979, so at the beginning of 1979, things are going good. Um, his businesses are going well. You know, got a lot of social connections, playing in all of these circles that he wants to. And he had just created a museum, the old coffee mill and Florida railroad museum, uh, at the corner of Anne and green street. There's still the old coffee mill stuff is still around. There's the, there's a coffee mill dance studio in Key West. They have a couple. He had a museum for coffee mills. I think there probably was a coffee mill. And on the site of it, he created this Florida Railroad Museum. But it was called the Old Coffee Mill and Florida Railroad Museum. Oh, like a building coffee mill, yes, like yes. big. I'm imagining ones with a little handle, oh, no. hand crank where you just like crank the coffee. <laughs> no, I think like a mill. And you have a little drawer that you pull out. Yes. That's a coffee mill. No, no, I think like a building. Oh, it's yeah. in the building. Yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, That's a different thing. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and he was living there. So he oh. had this building that was the museum and then he lived there. Okay. Um, on January 6th, 1979, the Miami Herald reports that Fontes often talked casually of dying, saying recently that his time might be coming soon. And one of his friends says he was getting into some weird things. You know what January end. 6th is? It's your birthday. Epiphany. It's also Jaredad's birthday. And Three Kings Day. And your birthday. Yes, but but yes. <laughs> yes, I was around in 79, but not in Key West. Indeed. Uh, so who knows what that means, that he was getting into weird things. He was sort of suspecting he was going to die, but that could just be like... I 49. Mean, I, I say stuff like that all the time. Yeah, was, it could be. Could be coming up on 50. He was probably... That scares him. It's possible. Yeah. Maybe he talked like that all the time. He had a big mouth. Yeah, that's true. Only that's become true. significant in hindsight. Yeah. 
Uh, so on January 5th, the, he's murdered. Uh, oh. He is shot three times standing in the doorway of his home. So it seems like somebody knocked. He's naked except for a pair of socks. He's only wearing socks. He's otherwise naked. Mm. Um, he's found kind of right after he's shot in a pool of blood. So he's shot in the head, head and neck from what I could see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think he wasn't exactly dead right away, but he obviously died very quickly from that. Um, so the Key, Key West Citizen, which is one of our local papers down here, one of the reporters who remains unnamed in this book, uh, I think it's a she, she, I think, doesn't work for the citizen anymore and didn't want to be mentioned. Oh, yeah? I don't know why you could find her work, but whatever. I didn't bother looking her up if she wants to remain anonymous. Uh, so she hears it on this go out on the scanner at like three in the morning or something. Uh, and so she heads over to where it's happening. And Ann Street's like a tiny little street and she knows that Frank lives there. And so she's kind of worried already that it might be him as she's heading oh. over, even though they haven't said, um, he, his, he had been taken. I don't know if he had been declared dead on the scene, but he had been taken away by paramedics at that point by the time she got there. Um, and then officers were busy removing the one true eyewitness to the killing an Amazon parrot named Coco who became a ward of the court on the night of the murder. Hmm. So Coco lived there. Uh, dear dad, I'm going to show you a picture of Frank because it's on this page. I'm going to post this on the socials. So Instagram and uh, Twitter were murders paradise and murders in paradise. Good looking guy. Yeah. Looks good for 49. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll post a picture of him for y'all. Unfortunately for police, Coco, the Amazon parrot, uh, was unable or unwilling to talk. <laughs> they beat him for three days and lead piped him and he didn't, he didn't break. But this is a cute little... God, feed him some. She, Coco, the parrot, moved in with the reporter from The Citizen after the shooting and still, like 30 years later, still lived with that reporter. Still hasn't talked, huh? Still hasn't talked. It like, says... Does, does Coco talks generally and just not about the murder or is like doesn't actually form words? <laughs> I mean... Some, some birds just don't talk. Yeah, it's not clear either way, uh, but certainly not talking about this. It says, he does become spooked by gunfire-like sounds such as the slamming of a door as if recalling the night of mayhem that led to his forced relocation. And every time he sees Mr. Brown, he screams his head <laughs> off, but we don't know what that's all about. <laughs> huh. So, uh, yeah. good job, Coco. <clears throat> I didn't realize parrots live that long, but... Parrots live a long time. Yeah. I'm not a bird person. I mean, I like them just fine, but I've never... I mean, had, I think they can, birds. right? They don't yeah. always. They can always go They can always go neurotic, too. Yeah. So, uh, so they do talk to some human witnesses. Um, one of them says about 1 a.m. they heard a shot followed by a moan and a voice saying the words, Oh, no, and then several more shots. Another woman said she saw two men rush from the porch into a running car and speed away with their tires squealing. Another person ran around the corner to Sloppy Joe's bar to call for an ambulance, uh, but obviously guy, guy had been shot in the head, so it wasn't anything they could do. Interestingly, on the same night, there was another home invasion in Key West at Tennessee Williams' house. Oh. And Frank Fortas was the landscaper for Tennessee Williams. Mm. 
Who knows? They can't find anything to suggest that the two things are related. They don't know if it was the same people. Totally. They don't know what they were doing. Um, yeah. Is it people that worked for Fortis? I don't think anybody really worked for him. I think oh. he kind of ran this museum and then he did, you know, he did the landscaping and worked at the house for Tennessee Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, but they can't really tell. And, uh, but Tennessee Williams is like, everything's been fucked up, basically. So he did an interview. The uh, investigation? With, or, no. No, just in general, in his life. Oh. So it says, on April 1st, 1979, the Miami Herald's Tropic Magazine had Williams itemize the negative events afflicting his life since January. He'd been mugged twice while walking downtown. His dog had disappeared. Aww. Guests were... I'll talk about his dogs in a second. Guests at his home were subjected to the derision of a group of kids throwing beer cans at the front door, yelling, Gaislers, I'm not going to repeat, throwing uh, firecrackers at his house, and his house had been looted twice, once on the same evening. So Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, w I was exactly interested in this dog story so i tried looking up tennessee williams dogs uh there's a ton of pictures of him with bulldogs he had one named mr moon mr moon uh, but that was not one of these he also had a german shepherd named satan nice <laughs> and he and satan lived in key west and he had it brought up to i think a movie shoot he was working on because he said satan would protect him and satan bit him really bad on the ankle like <sighs> down to the bone and he had to go satan to you suck <laughs> god so uh boy that didn't work too well maybe don't don't name your dog satan yeah uh but one interesting thing that comes out which doesn't have anything very clearly doesn't have anything to do with the murder uh when they're talking to tennessee williams about frank fortis is that Fortis had been stealing original manuscripts from Tennessee Williams' house over the course of the 10 years that he worked there. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and Tennessee, including a streetcar named Desire. He stole the original manuscript for a streetcar named Desire from Tennessee Williams' house. Goodness. Tennessee Williams said, I guess he supposed the manuscripts would be worth a great deal someday and that he would outlive me. He'd been systematically stealing papers over the course of the nine years he took care of my house. Um, so it's interesting, like some of these stories report that like they were very good friends, uh, that Frank mm. Fortas was really happy to have considered Tennessee Williams his friend, that they were close and they certainly, you know, had worked together. Yeah, but he's all social climby, right? So if he's like, oh, famous Tennessee Williams, I'll be his buddy. Yeah. Um, and Tennessee Williams, I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Like these are interviews and it's just text. Um, but he seems like kind of a, a character anyway, who's yeah. just kind of talking didn't doesn't come off as feeling like they were as close as some of the articles said i mean yeah. obviously they knew each other very well right um but they don't come off tennessee williams doesn't come off as super emotional about it and there's nothing to suggest i mean like tennessee williams didn't order a hit on him right oh, nothing yeah. to suggest the stealing of the manuscripts had anything to do with it but it was an interesting like oh, it sounds, sounds like there. there was some real uh homophobia going on in key west at the time yeah i mean i think everywhere Right. Yeah, I just mean that's yeah. where this guy got killed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but so here's the evidence that it may have just been a botched robbery. Um, dis detectives at the scene discovered dollar bills scattered around the front porch where his body was found. Tens mm -hmm. and twenties. Um, a wallet with another twenty in it. Uh, his jewelry. So he would wear like a lot of diamonds and gold chains. Uh, 
they weren't taken. It's because he was naked. Uh, Maybe. Yes. No, I think that's right. They were on the dresser in yeah. his bedroom. Um, and so it's like, okay, like Roberts would have taken it, except he wasn't wearing it. It seems like he was in bed and just came to the door in his socks for some reason. Um, and that they shot him and didn't go in. And cold feet. To the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're trying to figure out who did this. And they yes, have, please. You're the police. Yes. <laughs> they have two suspects, Dillman and Messina are these two guys. So these guys in late January are actually in Las Vegas. So in early January is when this murder happens. In late January, these two guys get arrested in Las Vegas. The car that they were driving in Vegas or in Nevada matched the description that the Key West police had of the getaway car when that woman said, oh, you know, I saw two guys get into a car, spill away. Um, And they had been in Key West at the time. So Key West detective goes out to Las Vegas to interview them. um, And they had committed a similar crime out there, murdered someone, attempted robbery. Um, And so by July of 1979, uh, arrest warrants have been issued. They're starting an extradition process. And so the question is, is it a robbery? Is it like a gay bashing murder? Was it a hit? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Um, Seems like, no, like these guys just really seemed like they were kind of crappy robbers. Hmm. Uh, They both get off. They're tried separately and they're both acquitted. What, not enough evidence? Yeah, there's just basically, and it doesn't sound like there's any, right? Like they're... Their car matches the description. They, I mean, I think they you can't say the that they committed a similar crime in Las Vegas. They haven't been convicted of that no, yet. No, you don't get to introduce that. Um, and then there's apparently like some third guy. He's literally one sentence. Dwayne Charles Kieber, totally different third dude, also gets arrested, also gets acquitted. Wow. It's currently unsolved. Badly prosecuted. I mean, then don't. I mean, like, get some three yeah. strikes is bad. Three yeah. whiffs, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, at least the first two were together. Then they get a third, totally unrelated guy, and he gets off too. Um, so yeah, the that's it. It's unsolved, though. It is said that the ghost of Frank Fontes still haunts the location where he was killed. I bet he does. Yeah. So here I have a little... Uh, Ghosts tend to stick around in Key West. <laughs> uh, yes. So here's this thing that I found when I was doing some research on this. So from January 4th, 2012 on Facebook. All right. We're going back seven years on Facebook. I found a post from Tattoos and Scars Saloon in Key West. I don't know if they still exist. I think they do. I do think they? they have an ad at the uh, airport. Oh, okay. So Tattoos and Scars Saloon in 2012 said Thursday, January 5th will be the 23rd year anniversary of the mysterious unsolved murder of Frank Fontes at 201 Ann Street in Key West, now known as Shots and Giggles. Uh, so that's what's at the location now. I assume at a bar. Flora's house. Uh, at Fontes House. Fontes, the museum, like the oh, right. old the, coffee the, mill. And, the, yes. Shots and giggles. I think that has shut there. down. 
Yeah. Frank was the fun and loving flamboyant groundskeeper of the Tennessee Williams property. Frank was brutally shot and left for dead on the front porch of his home, and no one was ever convicted. In memory of Frank and his ghost that haunts the property, we will be celebrating his last moments in Key West with a chalk outline party. <sighs> Come find out the details and enjoy shots All and I'll find until that gets a little tasteless, guys. Yeah. yeah I don't know, man. Uh... So, I don't know. I hope the ghost fucks with him. So uh, this is not a ghost story that we have heard before. It was not in our stuff, but apparently, according to at least Tattoos and Scar Saloon, the ghost of Frank Montes haunts the former, the property. Maybe he, he visits his bird, too. Yeah, Stop well, I don't know Coco. if it was his bird. I mean, I guess it was his bird. It was the only witness to the murder. I mean, it could have been like a neighbor. No, I guess that's true. I mean, I'm you guessing. wouldn't have to relocate a neighbor's bird. You'd take away the neighbor's, <laughs> neighbor's bird. <laughs> You're a witness, federal protection, federal witness protection bird. Yeah. So, so there you go, an unsolved, uh, but actual murder on this one. Jeez. Yeah. Already ready for a dog palate cleanser. Always ready for a dog palate cleanser. Okay, this one was sent to me by Deborah Suzanne on Twitter. Thank you, Deborah. Or Deborah Suzanne, whichever you go by. Thank you. Uh, this is an excellent one. The It's on the dodo, but I hadn't seen it. And uh, the headline is, Guy wakes up to find a random dog in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> and then the sub-headline is, How did this happen? A magical puppy? <laughs> so, uh, dude is out walking his dog. His own dog. His own dog. Yeah. And comes home. From the walk and goes to bed at 4 a.m his wife wakes him up and they have a one month old baby oh. so he's kind of used to getting it's up in turn. the middle yeah. of the night uh but no the wife wakes him up and she's like the baby's okay but there's a puppy in the house <laughs> and he's like what, what? <laughs> why am i awake what there's why a are puppy you saying in the these house? two things together so he goes downstairs and there's a little like labrador in his living room puppy well we'll get there but yeah little dog puppy uh the whole all the doors are closed the windows closed but magic there's like a storm going on outside and here's this dog sitting in his living room uh so he's like oh, somebody must have broken in because how else would the dog get yeah. in here um so he like checks the whole house everything is locked and then he's like, what is this, a magical puppy? So he has security footage outside at the front door and he checks it. And so he saw that he got back from walking George, his dog, and uh, he closed the door, but it didn't latch. Oh. And it had like blown open. And then at 3.16 a.m., this dog walks in. <laughs> and then... Uh, half an hour later, somebody's passing by and they see the doors open and they kind of come up and they look to make sure everything's okay. And then they close the door. Oh, which is nice. Yeah. We've had neighbors do that. You did that once you left the tailgate of your car open Yeah, and we went to bed and one of our neighbors is like, I came over and closed the tailgate of your car at like four in the morning. I hope that was okay. Uh, so yeah, make sure there's like, you know, no murders going on in there and is like, okay, I'll just close the door. Um, but then the puppy was stuck in there. The puppy, yeah, trapping the dog inside. And uh, But they have another dog, George. George? George. George is two. George is not a very good guard dog. <laughs> nope. We uh, have a dog. We have dogs like that. Yeah, so the 
the magic dog they have named Susie. Oh. So Susie's soaking wet. Uh, they call animal control, but uh, it turns out that she's a stray. Basically, she's emaciated. Her teeth are all messed up. She's oh. like won't walk on one of her legs. Doesn't have a collar. Like clearly is a street dog. Oh. Um, and they're like, if we take her to animal control, like. You know, we have no idea what's going to happen. Shelter, yeah. So they're like, all right, well, they took her to the vet. Like, we'll take care of her. And uh, they put up a GoFundMe. They raised like $15,000. Oh. She had like tons of fleas and ticks, infections, dental problems, just like every dog we take in <laughs> from yeah. rescue, basically. Uh, and we'll, I'll post a link to this and pictures of her. Uh, so it turns out she is not a puppy. They thought she was like a Labrador puppy. She's nine years old. Wow. So she's a mix, Small. basically. Yeah, looks just like a yellow lab. Maybe she's a corgi in disguise uh, as a yellow lab. Yep. So uh, anyway, Susie is now their dog. You want to see some pictures to your dad? Oh. There's, there's Susie getting her bath. She doesn't look very labrador actually. Uh, and they on the Dodo, we won't link these, but on the Dodo, they have video of her walking into the house like they have the security camera Aww. footage and then it ends like with this great picture oh, of her this is just from really recently so they got their christmas she totally video. looks like a puppy she's very small yeah yeah uh but you can see in some of these pictures let's go up to the top here like she is really emaciated um but yeah now she like went from living on the street and she just managed to like in the middle of a rainstorm Go into this door. house, <laughs> yeah, so she could like get dry and warm, and they found her, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna make your life great now." And so they're almost like there's a ghost that was letting her in the house. Yeah, interesting. Dog saving ghost. We need more of those kinds of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. That is our dog palate cleanser. That's a nice good story. Good job, Susie. I'm glad you're gonna have a good rest of your life. Good job, Jack, joking in for saving that magic dog. Yep. Yep. So, uh, That's good. Nice palate cleanser. Indeed. Uh, so much happier. You can send us any palate cleansers or murder requests if you have any. Yeah. Uh, we only do the keys, though. A lot of people se- uh, send me, like, great Florida murders because, man, are they... There's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to stick mostly to the keys. So if you see anything with key in the name... Send it. They, those aren't all in the keys, but right. it's a good there, start. There are a few Miami, Miami keys. Yep. Yeah. Um, so murders paradise on Twitter, murders in paradise on Instagram, or you can just search for murders in paradise and we'll come up. Yeah, they wouldn't let place. us put in on Twitter. You know, they're it's clean. too long. It was too many characters. It's, it's all censored <laughs> these days. Um, but yeah. So until next time, don't conk out. No, don't conk out. Bye. Bye.